Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford, and I'm coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And it is a great privilege, as always, to greet my congregation here, uh, who are part of our church in Dallas, as well as all of you who are joining with us in Outposts of the Saints Network throughout the world. We had quite an interesting time here in Dallas last night. We had some major storms that blew through, and um, in fact, as is always the case, um, when that happens, our saints uh, from around <laughs> around the nation will uh, want to make sure we're okay. And um, my phone was pinging last night like the, the duck shooting booth at the state fair, just bing, bing, bing. And uh, but we were we were fine. Our power was out <clears throat> here at the church until just a few minutes ago. I. An interesting story about that, and George and Paula will will uh, enjoy this. The pole that is in our parking lot that is right by where George and Paula park their their uh, overnighter is uh, it has the guide wire that comes down. That got struck by lightning last night and knocked the power out for everybody up and down Lano Street. And uh, so I, I got in and talked to the, uh, the older gentleman who was the Encore Power Supervisor, and he was a Baptist brother, and we were talking about the Lord and really establishing that um, the main thing that we as Christians need to do is recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord and accept him and become born again. It's from that point that people determine how far they want to go with the Lord. But we had quite a quite a lovely conversation, and he said, Pastor, we'll have your power back up here in just a couple minutes. And he was true to his word. Um, so we're all well. Um, thanks be to God. I, I always... Trust the Lord during storms because, you know, God has given us a great measure of influence that's been noted in our travels around the world um, over weather patterns. I think it's something that the Scripture speaks about in the, uh, the Scriptures that talk about end times. And, um, you know, I was listening to a uh, one of the little weather forecasting girls on channel four here in Dallas. And she was saying these storms built up in a line, you can just see them. But then when they just got to the West, just the West of Dallas, they just kind of broke up and they dissipated. And then once they got past Dallas, they reformed and it's, uh, it's going to create some problems for those in, in uh, uh, Arkansas, Mississippi. And I thought, well, bless those people. Um, and, of course, some people will say, oh, it's just because of the Metroplex area and the propensity of, you know, lots of uh, buildings and traffic. Well, tell that to the people in uh, lots of cities. Tell that to the people in Dallas in the 50s when a major tornado blew through here and wiped out a significant portion of, this, of the city. 
you know, I, I tend to believe that our angels guard over us. And um, so, and I love the storms. I mean, I laid there last night, lightning was flashing and the boom and the wind was blowing. And I just, uh, there's just something about that that, <laughs> that just ministers to my spirit. Uh, maybe because of the voices, thunders, lightnings, earthquakes promise from the throne and thunder in heaven. If you don't like thunder, don't go to heaven because there's a lot of times where thunder is mentioned there. So, um, and of course, that's just the, the gathering together of the contrite ones in this, into the secret place of thunder. Um, so there's something that energizes about that. And I'm thankful that God always protects. And um, so here, here we be. I'm enjoying uh, this lovely sanctuary. The power's on. Of course, I was in here earlier when the power was off. I could hear the rain hitting the roof. What a great time. You know, I just, I just really feel badly for those of you intercessors who love to pray here. Because during moments like this, it's, it provides a, um, a celestial atmosphere that is just incredible. I, uh, I was giving thanks to the Lord yesterday. Uh, we had an insurance inspector who was out and going through the property. They, they like to do that. And he asked about our roof, and um, he said, it looks like it's in good shape. He had this conversation with Ruby, and she wrote me and said, when was that big storm when we got the roof replaced, when the Lord caused all of our roofs to be replaced? And that was 2013. Can you believe that? Nine years ago. I remember being here on that night for a special prayer time on Wednesday, and that hail just ravaged through, but it provided us with all new roofs. It provided uh, um, several people with new cars. <laughs> I know that there were people that were were uh, influenced uh, negatively, economically, but not from our church. And that's really who I'm responsible for. So I'm very thankful to the Lord. I think that you know, God uh, allows these things. I'm not saying that every storm is a sign, but um, I'm very grateful that that lightning hit our pole out there. Here's another thing, George. You'll like this. They removed the guide wire. They said, you don't need this. We just took it out for you. And so I saw them out there. They were, they were, uh, they had a torch and they were burning off the, the connect out of the ground and I thank I thank my Baptist brother for that. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, I don't know how many people have run into that into that guide wire over the years. It is mangled up like uh, like sideshow Bob's hair, and uh, it's it's going to be great to have that thing gone. And I said, well, doesn't it just doesn't it provide as a um, doesn't it provide as a lightning rod? And he said, no, that, that, that particular thing was never designed as a lightning rod. It was designed uh, in, in, 
in an engineering type of way to keep the pole from falling over. And I said, well, you can look at that wire. It, it's, it's having a hard time keeping itself from falling over. So, as you can tell, um, lots of good things happening here. We're all safe. We're all well. And um, tonight, for those of you who are part of our local congregation, uh, we will be gathering to pray at 6 o'clock. And I think that's always a good thing for us to be able to do. And then at 7 o'clock, we will be um, um, welcoming new board members onto the board. And we're very thankful for that process. You know, it's really funny. Whenever we have a board election, um, it wasn't like the the first days when I became a pastor or even the years growing up. At that time, um, most pastors didn't stay very long, and you needed a, a board just to keep things constant through different regime changes. And when I first became pastor... The board, who was basically pretty much non-existent up to that point, all of a sudden decided that they were going to question everything that we did as a new administration, and that was kind of influenced by the the previous administration. But I, I say now, you know, our board over the years has have been people who are fully uh, supportive of the ministry, the mission that God has given us for the world. And um, and and really, our church, there's basically nothing that we do that everybody doesn't already know. You know, we have so many lay leaders that are functioning in in every department, and there's interconnectivity between the, the departments. So it's not like the old days where you know the the mindset of being on the board was something. It's still something that we have to do governmentally. But the most important thing for me is that there's accountability. But just to know things, I'm trying to think of the last thing that I just told the board that the whole church didn't know. Um, that's just the way it is. So we welcome Nancy Dushan and we welcome Tricia Burke onto the board this time. And this is the first time we've had a majority of, of women on the board. Um, I think that's true. Yeah, it is true. So, guys, we better step it up. We we've really come into the modern world now. You know, we're women power. We're empowering women. Gosh, I remember one time when we were we had a seminar and the these two uh, the pastor and his lead associate from a big church in New Jersey came down to our seminar and God moved and mightily moved on those guys. We had good fellowship at the very end. The pastor came to me and said, I need to rebuke you, brother. You've got too many, you've got women in ministry here, and you shouldn't have that. And he went down that that list of archaic, false um, interpretations of, of certain passages in Scripture. And, um, you know, I, I went toe-to-toe with him on it, you know, and I feel badly because... God really moved in that church, and I, I found uh, or well in in that pastor, and um, I just felt sorry for the fact that they were living in, in the ancient world where women didn't have any place in the church except to, work in the nursery and perhaps to teach Sunday school for the kids. 
So we welcome um, our new board members tonight, and our church gathers to pray at 6, and um, that's all the news that's fit to print. So we have an outline for today's message. It should be available for you to access, and we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to function in faith at the right hand of God. And to do this, we're going to remember certain things that are foundational understandings. In the first place, what is faith in the Old Testament? What is belief in the Old Testament? Well, it stems from the word that means right hand, Amon. And um, it really does attribute to the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, I... I know that uh, I know that the Lord even uses one of his names in the scripture, Amen, to testify to the fact that this is part of his character. It's part of his it's part of his uh, identity. He is the great Amen. I mean the yea and amen. All God's promises are yea and amen and and it is also listed as one of the names of God. In fact, when we say amen at the end of our prayers, it's not just, okay, wrap it up, we need a period at the end of this response. It really means I am operating, hopefully, on behalf of what God wants to do from his right hand, prophetically. Right hand in Scripture speaks about beginnings, prophetic understanding, the beginnings. The left hand is completion, and it completion is reliant upon staying the course with what God has initiated at the right hand, but also that uh, it would be in God's timing and in the way God wants to do it. Uh, most of the church is left-handed. You have the issue with Benjamin, which is the son of the right hand, and the scripture speaks that they're largely left-handed. That's a different teaching on its own, but the issue for us today is that Amon is belief. And there are variations of this term throughout the Old Testament. Amet, E-M-E-T, speaks about the fulfillment of what God has originated from his right hand. But the one word which is a derivation of Amon that we have not focused on as much, is something that we need to focus on today. And that is Emunah, which is a fulfiller of Amon. So you have Amon, which is the right hand, belief, faith. You have Amet, which is the fulfillment of what God has begun. But as powerful as both of those things are, unless you learn to be someone who will embrace and walk through what God has said to fulfill in partnership with him what God has said, um, you're not going to get from the beginning to the end. You're just not. So let's look at some of the passages in the Old Testament that speak about Emunah. And I, I think that we as saints are needing to hear this 
so that we understand how important it is for us to be faithful. First of all, faithful in our intercession, coming boldly before the throne of grace to the right hand of God, where Jesus is functioning. We need to hear what God says. We need to commit ourselves to what he says. You know, famous passage when Abram, Abraham, um, the second time at the rock, smote the rock instead of prophesying to the rock. God said, because you did not believe me to demonstrate how to function in holiness among this people, you won't enter into the land. And believe there is functioning on behalf of the right hand. So then there are a lot of other passages that speak about that. So we need to spend time with God. We need to hear what he says. We need to commit ourselves to his ways. We need to keep looking toward what he's promised, the joy set before us. But we've got to walk it through. Now, the first passage that we have listed here is also the first time this word is used in the Old Testament. The law of first issuance comes into play very wonderfully. Exodus 17, verse 12 and verse 13. But Moses' hands were heavy. They took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady, there's our word, until the going down of the sun. Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now, Moses' hands were heavy. This is kabed, which comes from kabod, which speaks of the weightiness of partnering with God in his glory. Do you realize that when you really become a partner with God, I'm not saying God is my co-pilot or anything like that. You know, I've made this course. I've decided to drive down this road. Now I just need God to help me through here. A lot of people think that's how you partner with God. It's that he is really your sugar daddy and he bankrolls all of your wacky decisions. But to really partner with God, to be a participant in his glory, is to say, Father, I'm willing to do whatever you want And if God says, there's something that I want to do, I want you to partner with me as an intercessor, and um, it's never been done before, I'm going to showcase my glory, and that's really what the glory means. And because you are that type of person, the weight of my glory will be upon you or upon also upon the people that are part of your, uh, of your group. So there's a weightiness to the glory, and it's not just what we have manifested where, oh, you know, I was laying on the ground in prayer, and I, there was just such a weightiness I couldn't get up. I know that's happened, but to me, that's a visitation from God. That's not necessarily any indication that the glory of the Lord is anywhere near you. Um, I, I It can be that, like when... The uh, <clears throat> when the people dedicated Solomon's temple and the it was the, the glory of the Lord was so strong that the priests could not stand to minister. Um, 
That didn't happen all the time. That was an initiation of what God was had promised to do through that temple, that manucha, and that happened. But, I mean, it didn't happen every day. Otherwise, the priest, how would anybody minister? Do you have a hazmat suit for the glory that you put on so that, uh, you know, you're able to navigate through? I do believe that God um, allows us to be able to function in the midst of some of the deepest places in his spirit. That's through God's goodness. But, you know, the, the point for us is that when you are really representing the glory of God, it's wonderful. But it might have an effect on you, especially if you are in warfare on behalf of that uh, partnership with the anointing. So who are they fighting against here in Exodus 17? Amalek, the Amalekites, whom God said for generations the people of God would be at war with them. We've studied about the Amalekites, how that they attack the weak places, they attack the rear, they they weaken. They don't come to a full frontal where they're just saying, okay, here we come, we're a big army. They were, they were ravenous, they were leeches. And this is the way the enemy usually fights against the church. He weakens, he comes and he attacks to the left and the right and attacks the vulnerable so that it draws, slows the army down. It, it, it wearies people. And, and so, you know, Moses is standing with his hands right and left lifted, and his hands were steady, amuna. He was fulfilling what God had promised. But the weightiness of it, the kabad, was something that took a toll on him. And thank Thankfully, Aaron and her supported the faithfulness, the steadiness. And um, as long as those hands were raised and there was a faithfulness to what God had commissioned and what God had promised, Amalek was destroyed. Now, how does this apply to us today? Well, I think that we are in a spiritual warfare, and we are going to be encountering a spiritual warfare that is unprecedented in the history of mankind. It's according to the timetable of God. You read about it in Daniel. You read about it in Revelation. Excuse me. And you see how the saints are, are in the, the crosshairs of the enemy. We don't fear that. But you can you can see Amalek attacking all along all around, trying to weary, trying to to steal, trying to weaken, to discourage. Aaron and her, we've taught on them before. Um, they they represent a support in ministry and in function within the camp but also from a, uh, a spiritual uh, measure of support. The enemy has attacked this over the past few years, and um, I'm not going to belabor this, but the weightiness of 
the responsibility of the right hand can become really um, a factor and you can you can you can say anything you want about all of your power and all of your principles that you've learned to get what God promised to fulfilled in your life but the truth of the matter is that when the people of God are functioning in his glory there is a weightiness to it that's just not goosebumps and your hair raising it it can be wearying i'm not lamenting that it's just true think about when jesus went into the garden of gethsemane you read those scriptures you really read what is said there the first thing was he came in and he was he was um he was affronted by the enemy he fell on the ground and for him to have prayed those several times, Abba, where he was committing himself to the Father on behalf of what his purpose was, the reason he came to earth as God to become man, for him to be expressing that commitment, praying, as it were, with great drops of blood permeating through his sweat glands, I mean, there was a pressure to the glory, and it's God will sustain you, but we have to remain faithful to what he's promised, which is what steady is. We have to keep our hands raised before God, which says, I'm committed to what you've said at the right hand, I'm partnering with you, and I'm committed to your fulfillment with the left hand, and we need to make sure that there are people that are doing their part. And, of course, Joshua was down in the valley fighting. And, you know, sometimes people who envision themselves as Joshua, the enemy can sneak up and say, hey, I'm the one that's winning the battles. How come Moses is the leader? Yeah, I've heard that before. Well, you, but you don't notice that when Moses' hands went down, Joshua wasn't that much of a fighter, was he? God has everything in place. But the main thing is we need to recognize our positioning that Jesus made possible at the right hand of the throne. We need to spend time with God. We need to hear from him. We need to keep our eyes on what he has said to do. We may not know how he's going to fulfill what he's promised, but we keep our eyes on that promise and we walk it through. We keep our hands committed unto God. We, we, uh, we remain faithful to what God has said and we pray that the support leaders and those in the actual fighting will remain committed and strong and not R-U-N-N-O-F-T. Amalek will fight all of these positions God said, you will fight Amalek through the generations. That's still today. God said he hates Amalek. Oh, does the scripture say that? Well, look it up before you say it doesn't say that. God detests Amalek and this influence. It is the personification of the demonic strategy to steal, to kill, to destroy, going around as a roaring lion, seeking what he may devour. And the way it attacks is by trying to weaken every one of these factors to weaken those who 
are are supposed to be supporting to weaken the leader who bears the main burden of the glory so that the leader will think what good does this do i this this glory is wonderful but it's just too much um to keep people fighting keeping rank not of double mind not of double heart joshua really depicted what zebulun was expert in war um but with that, you've got to know, where's my place? You know, recently, over the past few years, there have been a lot of discussions geopolitically about our generals in the United States and their political leanings and how they make statements where they openly question whoever the commander-in-chief is. That is tantamount to... Um, that is tantamount to to revolution, to sedition. I mean, you've got to, if you're in a military, you've got to obey your leader or resign. That's just the way it is. And, But then again, you don't want to see the leader doing evil things and say, I was just obeying orders. Um, then that's another story as well. But, and I think that this being... A, a, a demonstration of what faith is, the first usage of it, Amuna, is in this battle. And it's, it's a lesson for us today. It, it really is a lesson. So we commit ourselves, re renewed commitment to prayer. We remember what God has called us to do. We keep our hands committed to him. We keep our support for that in the camp, uh, the support for that mission. And we have to be careful not to become offended, not to become wounded, not to become jealous. And just guard over ourselves because I'm telling you, the enemy in this atmosphere of strife in our country and in the world, you know, You've, you're responsible for what you get ticked off by. And if, if, if you are angry because of some slight you think has come against you and you start feeling angered toward the structure God has put you in and the leader, you know, how many red flags are flying in the wind just by that statement? God will honor you. If you are accepting offense and backing off from what you're called to do, you're damning yourself. And it's likely that the enemy is influencing you. Amalek, as it were, is influencing you to feel those things. And you need to repent of it and stop accusing everybody. Be grateful for what you have and be happy with it. You know, that's that's the problem. We talked about this a little on Sunday. Um, live in the blessing of the Lord. Be thankful for what he's given you. And there's always going to be something for you to be in fear of or for you to be angry about or for you to want uh, uh, to have uh, a correction of. There's always going to be something. And it's up to you to remain faithful to what God has called you to be. He'll straighten everything out. 
you know, David is the is the is the poster boy of this. David had his faults, but one thing he didn't do was attack Saul. Even when Saul, it wasn't that he thought Saul didn't like him. If you're throwing a spear at the guy, if if you're sending teams out to kill the guy, I mean, that's pretty obvious that Saul didn't like David. If anybody had the right to say, um, I, uh, I don't know that I want to follow this guy anymore. It would have been David. But he spoke to Saul about recognizing the anointing and that David was going to be faithful to God. And you know what? That brought promotion. Let's look at another passage. 1 Chronicles 9.22, talking about the tabernacle. And I chose one scripture. There were other ways that this same concept described the function of the tabernacle, but I just chose this one. All these which were chosen to be porters in the gates were 212. These were reckoned by their genealogy in their villages, whom David and Samuel, the seer, did ordain, did ordain in their set office. Office is a munah. The set office is what God has ordained from the right hand of the throne. Now, let's say these guys who were porters in the gates thought, you know what? I think I'll just serve here and then, um, you know, maybe someday soon Jaduthan will notice me. Or how about Asaph? He's really the, the, main, the main boss there and they'll move me into something that's more prominent. I just don't understand why these other people have those positions and here I am as a porter in the gate. Well, David and Samuel the seer recognized that this is where the right hand of God had appointed them to serve. Do you see that? Do you see that? Do you, does, does it really sink in? Sometimes I even look at what, what we're doing here. And there are miracles all around. But if I allow myself, and I want you to hear me, to think about where my original career path was headed and what I envisioned for myself and my ministry, my family, and, and then I see other things. You keep If I let my eyes look to see other people, places where um, things seem bright and rosy, I could become angry. And the enemy has tried to get me to feel that way. The enemy has tried... All these things that I've talked to you about, I've felt in different ways. It is a strategy of the enemy. But I recognize that God set me here for this mission 
as just as he has set you where you are for the position of being faithful to, to the right hand of God. There is no politics. There is no pressing. There is no feeling I've been bypassed. A man's gifts, a person's gifts will bring them before kings, the Bible says. I don't know why I'm hitting this so hard today. But I, I really do sense that perhaps somebody listening is on the borderline of selling your heritage for a bitter bowl of soup. Snap out of it. If the prophet, seer, and David sensed that God was ordaining these people in something that was directed by the right hand, and they were going to be faithful there. Porters in the gates, that's a, that's a necessary ministry. It, it provides supply. It provides defense. It provides a supervision of function. And, and it, welcomes, it welcomes the manifestation of the glory because gates do that. No, you don't know the names of any of these people, do you? But God ordained them from his right hand to serve there. We just need to stay committed. I mean, your life is blessed. Look at the blessings around you. You have health, strength. God's, God's touching your family. Be happy. The enemy doesn't want you to be content. But God is taking care of everything you need. Stay the course. Do what you're called to do. Um, let's look at a couple of other verses. His ways and his works. Deuteronomy 32.4 God is the rock. His work, his work is perfect. All his ways are judgment. Mishpat. Mishpat. A God of truth, a function at the right hand, without iniquity, without being duplicitous, without being hypocritical, without promising something that is not really going to be the case. Just and right is he. So here it says that God himself is characterized by this. It's important to him. Psalm 33, 4, the word of the Lord is right. All his works are done in truth. Wait a second. How many works? All his works. <laughs> I've told this story. I just get the biggest kick out of it. When I first came here to Dallas, uh, I was very young, and I, we didn't have, you know, you didn't have the internet, you didn't have cell phones, you didn't have laptop computers, you, you didn't have any of that. You just basically had the newspaper and the radio and a few channels on TV, which was fine. We were probably better off then. But on Sunday afternoon, sometimes I would listen to Christian radio, and I love to listen to a guy, he was obviously an African-American preacher. 
and he would he would teach on a Sunday afternoon for 30 minutes and he had this other guy who sounded like he was just as old as the pastor who would read the scripture for him and and I started listening to this because he had some good things to say but it was just funny too like he would come to a verse like this that says all his works and the man brother read that I'm not going to interpret him because I'll get in trouble for that he said read that verse. And the guy would read the verse and he'd say all his works and the pastor would interrupt. Now, wait, wait a second. How many works? All his works. No, that can't be true. Read that again. All his works. No, wait now. All his works? How many is all? And he would milk that. It was, it was, it was great. So, but this says all, and all means all. Everything that God does is done by virtue of the faithfulness to what's established at the right hand. You know, sometimes people might say, well, you know, I don't know about that right hand business, and I don't know about being in prayer there at the right hand, and, you know, I just wasn't raised that way, and I don't think that means uh, right and prophetic and all these things. And they just dismiss any factor of it. And they don't recognize that you're walking on dangerous ground when God says, all my works are done through this. And you've just slammed it from A to Z. So judgment and burning is done according to being faithful at the right hand. And all God's works are done in faithfulness to the right hand. How about Isaiah 33, verse 6? Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. Stability is amuna, the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. We just had a seminar, a wonderful gathering here, called Understanding the Times. Here it says that in the midst of God's times... We function on behalf of faithfulness to the right hand. And because of that, wisdom and knowledge from God are ours. Do you see this? Oh, how many times during the seminar did we study about the, the necessity of spending time with God, letting God's Spirit within you pray? so that we can have understanding and that, so that we can yield ourselves in, uh, in what is indicated by the neck in two different principles from the Scripture. Um, if you want to function in the times, you've got to be faithful according to what's going on at the right hand of the throne, and through that, knowledge and wisdom come. Let's look at two more verses. Righteousness, delight, and blessings. Habakkuk 2.4. For those of you in California, Habakkuk 2.4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just, those that are functioning in accordance with righteous vision, are going to live by his faith. Amuna. You're going to live by your function at the right hand of the throne. 
the just, gaining vision from God, gaining operating in vision, because that's what righteousness is in the Old Testament, literally. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to Yahweh, but they that deal truly are his delight. Those who are functioning on behalf of the right hand delight God. That is such an amazing verse. What a promise to delight the Lord by virtue of your taking full advantage of the sacrifice of Jesus whereby he is seated at the right hand of God, ever living to make intercession for us according to God's will. We come boldly before that throne of grace. We find our place there with him. And we function on behalf of that. That delights God. Now, I suppose lying lips are an abomination to Yahweh. That, that's true. There are a lot of lies out there right now. Forget about everybody having a truth. I think that so many who say they have truth are really functioning in lies. I could go down a litany of lies that are being embraced by many progressive ideologies. But you don't need for me to tell you what you already know. Let's just focus on our place with God at his right hand. Recognizing that he has commissioned us at his right hand to serve. To be faithful to what he's called us to do. And not try to jostle ourselves out of what his right hand has positioned us to do. Be happy in that. We're delighting God. He blesses us. And really, it's, um, it's just the way God does things. Which is why, out of all the places that the risen Lord, our triumphant Savior, Jesus Christ, the very Son of God who gave himself a ransom for us, to redeem us to the Father and to pattern and make possible for us what it means to be sons of all the places for him to gladly and willingly be assigned and to accept it, the right hand of the throne of God. God delights in that. This is no small thing that we're talking about here. When we talk about being faithful to the right hand, we're talking about being faithful to where Jesus is and what he's caused us to be and how we're partnering with him and the angelic to do the will of the Father. This is the calling of the saints. So it's one thing to understand the principle of emet to fulfill the right hand. We all like that. It's another thing to understand the principle of the aman, the, the concepts of the right hand in general. But if we don't recognize how important it is for us to be faithful, amuna, then we, we will fail in the battle. Our hands need to be steady under the weight of the glory 
in the midst of the battle, with every person in place, um, it, it reminds me of uh, a movie that Mel Gibson was in, we, are, we Were Soldiers. It was about the first major uh, American battle in the war in Vietnam. And I'm grateful I didn't have to fight in that war. I, I am sorry for the things that happened in that war. But the point I'm making is in that first battle, um, the, uh, the part that Mel Gibson played was an American colonel who was leading this group of air cav to battle against frontline communist regime troops. And at one point, uh, Mel Gibson was going to lead a charge, and his his sergeant pulled him back and said, you can't go out there, sir, because if you go down, we all go down. And it's like what David said, what David was going to go out in in and make himself uh, a target, and his general said, if we lose you, it's over. Now, I'm not saying I need to be exalted for whatever role I have here as the saints, but what I'm saying is every person plays a part in making sure that the structure from the right hand of the throne is 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 right. And... Um, we we have to recognize that God's ways, God's delight is in what he's put forward on behalf of the right hand. Now, with the last few minutes we have, let's just take a step back and consider what all God has said recently. I spend time reflecting on where we are, what we've been through, and um, I, I tried not to dwell on the past, but I don't want to fail to learn from it. And sometimes when you consider, when you meditate before the Lord, he shows you things that you encountered in the pathway, and he allows you to learn because of your meditating with him on what he led you through. Too often we hurry through things and we fail to gain the, the main measure of what we should have gleaned uh, as lessons in the midst of those victories. So I saw God many years ago transform my church and in the process transform me. That's still the work in process. Um, but over the years, God, through in, in, in intercession, was basically teaching us principles from the Word, this def- definitions, meanings, and he was really following that Isaiah 28 progression of line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. We talked about that precept means something that is a recognized principle, and it is the gift of leadership and authority and being able to put things in their proper perspective and function on behalf of them. 
And so I think for many years, we were building foundationally a deeper understanding of Scripture and a deeper measure of learning as the Spirit guided us. As we obeyed, we'd learn things. We were faithful in small things. He gave us greater authority. And it was largely fulfilling this line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little thing. But I think that in, a, in an overall spectrum, we are now in this transitional moment, and it is time for us to learn new ways of putting together what God has taught us and to display them in obedience, how to function on behalf of many of the things that the Lord has trained us for. Um, I remember being in seminary, or I have friends who are in the medical field, and they went through rigorous training, and they learned a lot of things. But then when they actually had to get out and do them, and they were responsible for people, they learned a whole lot of new things. They learned why this thing that was 101 principle in medical school really matters for the patient. And, and I think that God is taking us into places of application and of function. And so we need to cherish and remember what God has taught us. We need to be students of the Word. We need to be grateful. We need to be thankful. We need to make sure that our commitment in prayer is constant, that we're doing the things that we know are foundational in our relationship with God. We need to be willing to listen and obey, um, but we need to stay in our place and we need to wait for his timing. All of these things are factors of war. And um, you read in the Old Testament about people who had prophetic promise. They had authority as kings. They, they knew what God had said he was going to do, but they got antsy and they got in a hurry. And it consequently cost them their lives and threw the nation into turmoil. We don't want that, do we? Yeah, I know there's a lot of things wrong in our country. Yeah, I know that there are things happening around the world that are setting the stage for the things we read of in the Scripture for the end times. In some ways, it's alarming. There is a great, as a recent book said, a great reset in process. Um, and, and it's happening all around us. Are we in fear? Are we angry? Well, to a degree, I don't like what I see happening. You can't say that there's not some measure of indignation. But the point, though, is that we need to stand. And we need to keep our hands before the Lord. We need to do what he says to do. Be faithful in that. Hold our position that God has given us to serve. And God will work his perfect work. He will fulfill your life. He will provide for you.
and that's his promise. So yes, we believe what God says about faith, the Amman, and we believe what God says about the fulfillment of faith, the Amet, in the Old Testament. But what God is truly working on now is how we go from from right to left and, and how we must remain faithful, because that's his delight. That's how we have strength in his times. That's how we gain vision, wisdom, knowledge. That's how we trust in him, in his works and in his ways. And that's how the just, those operating on righteous vision, will live. I release that to each of you today. And I welcome it into my life and into the lives of our saints family. I welcome it into my church. And I ask, Father, that we would remain faithful. Help us not to fail. Help our lack of faith. And really what that means is get us back into alignment with what you've called us to be and to do. Thanks for joining us today. From the lightning capital of the United States of America on this day, we bless you and we send you forth as sons, as arrows of the Most High, as lightning from his bow. God bless, and we'll be back with you again real soon.